Hi everyone, it's Monica. Uh, Thanks for tuning in for another episode of How We Get By. This was uh, super great for me, this conversation. I, you know, certain times in your life you have chance meetings with people and you have no idea how they're going to impact your view of the world. Erin was somebody that I was lucky enough to have met at an art fair. We had a uh, few-minute conversation. I really enjoyed talking to him and his friend Peanut. I follow them on social media. They are artists. They are amazing. And I think that this conversation speaks to the insight that a 21-year-old can have of the world that we can all learn from. The minute I met Aaron, a few minutes into the conversation, before we were recording, I said, are you a healer? Do you heal people? And he laughed and said, you know, people have been telling me that my entire life. Listen to the conversation. I think you'll see why. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, so Monica here. I'm uh, with my new friend, Erin. Erin actually just drove up for the interview from about an hour away, so I'm really excited to sit with him and get to know him a little bit better. Do you want to tell me a little bit about yourself? Um, first and foremost, like thank you for having me because this is something I'm really excited about. The main reason I wanted to do this is like I'm super like... I'm all about talking about mental health. Not being able to talk about it made me less of who I was. So like when I finally realized when it was all right to talk about like this kind of shit, um, excuse my language, I don't know how. No, you can, <laughs> no, I curse a lot. <laughs> but uh, all right, cool. But um, I just want people to like slowly like wash away the stigma with like mental health. Like that's the biggest thing I want to come of this. Absolutely, I agree. So what does your life kind of look like? The biggest impact on my life that really shaped who I am today was like growing up with like a bipolar father. So like I feel like that's the main reason why like I learned empathy because there'd be days like I didn't understand why my dad was so angry or so sad and then maybe like an hour or two maybe not that quick but like the next day he'd be you know all better and he'd be you know like yo let's go get you know a cup of coffee or something hang out knowing he was like a you know mean the day before and stuff like that but like watching my mother like love him like through all of his pain like it finally like growing up like I learned quickly like hey my dad's battling demons like I wouldn't be the happiest person if I had to you know battle with my mind every day and then as I went through like middle school and high school I learned what like anxiety and depression really were because I was experiencing them firsthand and like When I was trying to cope with that, like, watching my father, you know, struggle with bipolar disorder, I was just like, oh, God, am I going to be bipolar? And, you know, I never really talked about it to, like, my friends because, you know, I don't want people thinking my dad's crazy. I always just was kind of real hush about it up until, like, as of late. But um, watching my mom love a man, like, who could barely love himself some days was, like, the most beautiful thing to me. Because, like, I also feel like that's the reason, like, I know what, like, love is because, like, I'm very fortunate that my parents are still together. 
they're still together. Yeah, oh like, my lord, I, I wanted to ask, and I'm like, I'm not gonna ask. It's yeah, not my business. No, and they're, they're still together, oh. and like, we still have our ups and downs as like a family, because like I still live at home, but like, watching them duke it out like for each other like was beautiful, like honestly for me to watch growing up. But, like, don't get me wrong, before I learned how to empathize with my father, I was just like, man, what the fuck? Like, I don't get why my mom loves this man. Like, I don't know why my dad hates me. Yeah. But, like, I knew at the end of the day whether he was pissed off, sad, or, you know, happy. Like, that man would put his life on the line for me and my mother and my sister and do whatever it took to, you know, protect us. Wow. So, when... So, did he know that he had, like, bipolar? Yeah, like, when I was, like, born... My grandmother lived with us early on growing up. His mother, she was bipolar as well. So it runs in the family. Yeah, so like mental health has always been prominent in the family and stuff like that. So I'm pretty sure like right around when I was born was when my father got admitted because, he, you know, he was really struggling with it. And then um, I don't remember like a lot of it. Like I remember like going to visit him in the hospital and stuff like that. But, like, I don't remember, like, any key, like, moments, yeah, per se. Yeah, but he knew. Yeah, so, because my, my question would be, do you think that having an awareness of, like, having, um, almost like a, not, I don't want to say a label, but, like, a name, like, this is bipolar, this isn't my dad. Do you think having that distinction was easier to maybe empathize? I don't know, because I feel like having that label, yeah. quote fingers. yeah made him coddle himself a little bit more because be like, oh, I'm bipolar. He almost using it as an excuse. Not that he ever would really bang on that, but he'd right. be like, uh, my mom would just be like, oh, it's just one of those days. You know, my dad's learned how to be like accountable for his like actions and stuff like that. Right now, like the outbursts are like far and few in between. And uh, sometimes I contribute to them, but like we're both stubborn and we both have a temper. So we do butt heads every now and then. Yeah. But, um... At the end of the day, like, I, I'm i never afraid to swallow my pride because, like, I've seen families, like, torn apart and I've seen, like, friends that aren't close with their fathers or, like, their mothers because they're too proud to say sorry when they admit they're wrong. And sometimes you have to just say sorry even when you know they're wrong because, you know, there's this old school respect thing where, like, you parents don't necessarily have to respect you for, like, you know, that stupid shit. It's weird because, like, my parents are older. I, like, they're in their late 50s, like, about to turn 60 and stuff like that. And uh, I feel like that also played a key part in, like, how I developed mentally. What key part? They bestowed, like, old school morals. And then, like, it was really cool growing up because your parents really only do so fucking much. Like, they do what they can do at home. Like, you're really raising yourself as humans, a kid. Yeah. No, and, and I don't world blame them. Like, but yeah. it's just, I think it's wild that your peers and your teachers are pretty much the ones that raise you because it's just the collection of experiences of how you deal with you know stuff going through school you spend more time with your teachers than you do your own parents so like sure. i feel like that's why like having a really shitty you know support system at school could you know really fuck up a kid's future wow yeah and uh vice versa at home it could suck too i was very fortunate that i had a very good support system I had, like, old-school values, like, per se, growing up. Do you have some of them? Like, an example, maybe? I treat people like human beings, and, like, the golden rule, like, treating people like how they want to be treated. One of my biggest downfalls, I guess, is I don't... I don't agree with positional authority. Like, yeah, I respect my boss. Yeah, I respect, like, you know, 
positional authority coworkers and stuff. As far as like age, um, I feel like no person on the street I have to give my respect to without them giving me some sort of respect first. It's a reciprocation. Yeah. So like I get, you know, in a professional setting, you kind of have to follow those guidelines, but like, I'm not going to demand respect, but like, I'm not going to give you respect if you don't give me some respect. Right. Right. So like, that was like my biggest confrontation with like my parents growing up because I was just like, yo, fuck that. Like I'm treating you decent. Like why can't because, oh, because I said so like kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So like, it's really cool. Like I've always had like a really open relationship with my parents like I could always talk to them about anything that I wanted to even if it did piss them off they'd rather be pissed off for a little bit than um me lie to them or anything like that so I think that's so important yeah because like the more you bite your tongue and restrict yourself from communicating the way you want to communicate I believe the less of you you become for the people in the back (laughs) seriously though like (laughs) The more you bite your tongue and you just stop, there's a reason you want to say it when you want to say it. Like, I'm not saying blurt the shit out and just, and then regret it. Because, like, that's one thing. Like, I don't give people ammunition to use against me. Like, if I want to say something, it's coming from the heart and I mean it. And if you use that against me, cool. But, like, I'll never, sometimes I'll say things out of spite, but, like, it's very far and few in between. Yeah, yeah I feel like it seems like you're in tune with yourself. I And for me, it's pretty similar. I feel like I try to use language in a productive way. The people in my life, I was like, I've always explained to them is just like, if you want to communicate with me, communicate directly, like very direct. And even with like people outside of just me, like, I don't think that much into stuff unless it really pertains to me or I'm writing about something. So you tell me something and you're like hinting or beating around the bush, like you're leaving it open to like letting me interpret it in a certain way. But if you're more direct and leaving no room for interpretation, you're going to get what you want, like, whether it's an answer or, you know, something from me. Yes. So it's just, yeah. like, be direct. Right. And asking questions. Like, a curiosity, because I do feel as though people are afraid to ask questions sometimes and then interpret things in their mind differently than you meant them. And then, like, and then behaviors get weird. I don't know if this makes any sense. Well, yeah, sense. it does. It really does. If you're afraid to ask someone a question, it's probably because of fear of how they're going to react. But to me, the reaction is more of an answer than anything, without even words like being spoken. I keep the people in my life that ask the difficult questions when it needs to be asked, or like the ones that'll reality check me when I'm, you know, becoming blind to my own bullshit or something like that. Because it happens. Like I'll fall back into a rut and do some, you know, stupid shit. And then I'll have one of my homies, and they'll be like, yo, what the fuck are you doing? And it's just like, oh, God, like, thank God I have you. Absolutely. So it's just, like, shit like that. Like, just having people, sometimes the difficult questions need to be asked. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, tough love, almost. Yeah, and it's just, like, sometimes, like, if they don't have an answer, like, they're gonna fucking think of one. Because if they genuinely don't know, like, the mind just doesn't like not knowing something, they're gonna figure it the fuck out. Whether they tell you or not is on them, but they're gonna figure it the fuck out. (laughs) Yeah. So it's just, like, sometimes planting that seed is enough, and if they genuinely hit with you, like, I don't know, or if they have, like... Yeah, because a lot of times when when you do ask those difficult questions and then people react, it's almost like... You know they're gonna kind of relax later because you do it yourself. Like I do it yeah. when people do it to me, and it's like I don't want to hear the question. So whatever my reaction, and that's something I'm currently working on now is like my reaction to things. Yeah. 
but as well as like I don't really like when people do react in those circumstances I'm like I don't really care if they react because this isn't about me this is about them and yeah. they'll realize that but like they just need and to body language sometimes will tell you enough yeah asking those difficult questions is pertinent yeah I think. I think so for growth yeah because like I don't know some people can't think for themselves so like you ask difficult questions it'll generate some sort of thought right Like, what do you what do you think we could do differently in schools to because you had mentioned earlier I think you had said at one point that it's the environment of schools yeah like people do become products of their environment because they don't always know how to I don't know like sometimes it's hard to uh, how do you say this it's easy to save people when you're not on the sinking ship when you're like on the outside looking in it's very easy to be like oh this is how you fix this this is how you fix that but sometimes like in the heat of the moment it's very hard to see like what's going on outside and like everything just going on and immediately around you is what's affecting you sometimes if you know you have a teacher that doesn't really give a shit about the kids or is there for a paycheck because i've had one of those it's it's very obvious and it's very hard for that for a kid to pay attention to someone that's not even going to afford them the attention of like teaching them stuff like and actually caring about them. Do you think that it's just that there there's not enough one-on-one attention? I don't even think it's that. It's just I feel like people are doing things for the wrong reasons. I feel like some people are getting into teaching because they like it kind of and there's a decent paycheck. Like cuz uh, you know teachers are union at least in Bethlehem they are. I don't know how mm-hmm. it is everywhere yeah. else but like most times their jobs, they have really good job security, which is kind of bullshit, too, because non-union um, things coming from a non-union contractor that I work for. Um, job security is fucking everywhere. It is nice to have, like, a brotherhood or a camaraderie. There, There is for your protection, but I will tell you that in my high school, there was a man that was an alcoholic, and I don't blame alcoholics, nothing. Like, everyone has addictions. No, like, I have, I wish him all of, like, the best, you know, I hope. But it was an issue that he was bringing into a school setting. And so, and it was an issue that was dealt with three different times. And I don't, but it, it just wasn't. See, I think that's a crock of shit. Like, I feel like, <laughs> yes, especially you. with, like, kids, like, seeing that and then hearing about that, like, right. that's becoming, like, normalized, unfortunately, right. nowadays, like... They would take him out... Probably paid leave and shit like yeah. that. Yeah, and then he'd come back and it would be the same thing. It happened three times. It was I feel like... After, I feel like affording him one opportunity to fix himself is fine. Right. Because I feel like everyone... At least, mostly everyone deserves a chance to show growth and show that they can change. Absolutely. But unfortunately, if someone doesn't want to change, it's not going to happen. Right. Like, when I was down and depressed, like, I wanted to be happy as badly as I wanted to breathe. And um, as soon as I had, like, that kind of mindset, it was really easy to be fucking happy. Like, just being able to think yourself out of situations and stuff like that. Like, some people can't see the light at the end of the tunnel because they're focusing on the dark. Sometimes even if you can't see it, just visualizing it helps. Yeah. And some people don't think that far ahead. And it, I think it's just because it scares them. Yeah. Yeah, it's like critically thinking. I think it's being able to detach yourself enough from your emotions to think critically. Yeah, like, I I think a lot. Like, 90% of my days thinking, and I have a hell of a fucking time falling asleep because of thinking. Right. Like, I could be thinking about, like, six things at once. 
there's a bunch of shit going on in my head in the middle of this interview that I'm thinking about, like, of stuff that I want to, like, get done when I get home, but, like, it's always constantly thinking about something, so, like, I have to, like, make a conscious effort to, like, collect my thoughts and project them the way I want to project them. Right. Well, you do a really good job of it. I could talk your ear off, like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, no, I have just... not had... I would never have guessed that if you didn't just say it. A lot of people my age, like, suck at communication social media i think sucks because of instant gratification and stuff like that i hate people that hide behind a screen like i'd rather like if there's like a hot and heavy conversation i'd rather have it face to face so we can see each other's body language because not everyone reads on the same level you can't really convey your message properly through written text at least through a fucking text message where was i going with that i don't know I got deep real quick. I know. <laughs> you found people that can keep you in check with, like, your emotions or whatever, ask you the hard questions. Like, how did you find people like that? Usually they find me. Okay. I, f I feel like when you put, like, certain energy out there, that's what you attract. Like, mm -hmm. as cliche as it sounds. There's some people that I met, like, within, like, the past year that I that have clearly better intentions than the people I've known most of my life and stuff like that. There's people, my people, I want them to generate some sort of thought. I want them to th make me think differently or maybe add like their perspective in the back of my mind to, you know, maybe, I don't know, influence my creativity. Because mm -hmm. like there's a lot of artists from like the Lehigh Valley that have really like influenced like a lot of my art and really made me more comfortable in my own creativity. I like people that aren't afraid to be themselves, yeah. and like it's very obvious like when someone's trying to be something they're not, and it's very obvious like I can smell bullshit real quick, mm -hmm. so like I I really appreciate genuine people when I find them. Right. Like, and it's the coolest people I met were like by pure chance, like um, randomly hitting up on Instagram and being like, "Yo, you know, grab a slice of pizza." Yeah. Like they just happened to post on their story to be like, "Hey, I'm fucking bored." Well, that's cool. I mean, I was happy that you took the initiative to be on the podcast. Yeah, like, I, it's, it's fucking cool. And it's just, I feel like if you don't go out of your way, like, I feel like there's a healthy way of doing it. Like, right. obviously, if I was, like, really scared about it, I wouldn't really be pushing myself to do something so soon. Right. But it's just, like, if you don't go out on a limb, you'll miss an opportunity and shit. Like, really what made me start writing and wanting to perform my writing at, like, curated events around the Lehigh Valley and stuff like that was... uh. I went to a hawk, the Hawk Nest Cafe at Lehigh. I was just going there that one of my um, friends from high school. She was a, she's a beautiful singer and she her voice is uh, voice of an angel. And uh, I was just going out to support her and I ended up dragging my sister's boyfriend along. God bless Gabe. It wasn't his fucking scene at all, but he he really duped it out for me. That's nice. Hung out for like a, a couple hours just to hang out, watch her perform, and then I was you know like all right, fuck it, did what I wanted to do. I supported her. I think I'm gonna bounce. But uh, she pulled me aside. She's like, hey, there's going to be a couple rappers going up. I really think you'd like it. So, like, you should try to stick around. So I fucking boogied on down to the meter through a couple more quarters inside, like, another hour. Ended up meeting one of my best friends that night. What? I don't have a lot of faith because I've never really been religious or anything like that. But I do believe in, like, shit happens when it needs to happen. Yeah. I'm all about finding the silver lining. Even, like, when bad shit happens, I love it. Like, I, uh... I embrace it, but I don't look forward to it or, like, um, go out of my way to experience the bad shit. But 
just having like that life throw you that curveball, even if it it's really fucking awful, it's really gonna shape you. Yeah, and who leaves you're you be. Yeah. And like all the bad shit really contributes to your character, and it's all how you respond to it. Absolutely. If we didn't get the bad stuff, we would probably never make the changes. That, and you wouldn't really appreciate happiness. Right. There's, like, maybe, like, once every, like, few months, I'll find myself in a rut where, like, you know, on the weekend, I don't want to go out drinking. I don't want to see any of my friends. And it's nothing personal, but it's just, like, I want to go home after work. I want to have a a beer in the shower. I want to go burn some incense, maybe smoke a joint or something. Yeah. Play some fucking xbox or you know nintendo switch and it's just like i just want to appreciate my own company right and then there's other times where i just want to lock myself in a room because i've had like a really shitty week or a really shitty month and i just want to write my ass off and like binge write whether it's anything that's actually good like i'll just start writing whatever comes to my mind it's really funny i end up throwing a lot of my writing out do you completely throw it out yeah because i don't know i i don't like revisiting it if i don't like it initially like I had really. This is really off topic, but no, um, it's fine. My whole I'm like, a writer, so. the whole way I write is um, I have a tablet always at work, and I'll write I'll write like two liners or maybe like four liners down, fold it up, put it in my wallet, go home. I have a box I call the bank, and um, make a depot in the bank, and uh, this is so cool. And whenever I'm struggling to write, or if like I really want to write, but like I'm not, you know, um, thinking of that much you know, make a withdrawal from the bank, you know, unfold it, and I'll see it, and I'll be like, oh, this is kind of cool, maybe I can find something else, and if, you know, I use it, I'll write it down in a notebook, and I'll throw it out, um, and usually I have, like, a rough copy notebook that I write everything down, and that's, like, a lot of the stuff I write, um, like, on the fly-in, once in a blue moon, I'll go reread through that, and there's going to be some things I really want to rewrite, I'll rewrite them either in, like, the, one of the books that I, like, I have a bunch of different, like, three-section notebooks for, like, book ideas and stuff like that, and I'll try to categorize some of my writing. So I'll rewrite it down, but if I really don't fucking like it, I'll rip it up, throw it out, and never think about it again, because I feel like I like the idea of it, but I didn't like the way I presented my idea, and I feel like if I have my writing to look at and uh, reread and re-reference it, I'll be more predisposed to write it similarly, like, again. So if I fucking throw it out but keep the idea in the back of my head, or, like, I'll, I'll jot, like, the basic idea down in, like, my memos on my phone and just, you know, stumble upon it one day, something organic will come of that thought again and maybe it'll be better than what I wrote before. Absolutely. So, like, I feel like having it right. screws you over because if I reread it, it'll just be very similar. Yeah, well, I'm going to make a really far stretch here, but... Do you meditate? Mm-mm. Okay, well, I do. And mm. one of the main things about meditation is being able to kind of, like, sit with your thoughts and, I think, uh, kind of do what you do. But I guess one of the biggest things that people struggle, regardless of meditation and what it means, one of the things people struggle with is that they'll get, sometimes when they're meditating, they'll get a good idea and they're, like, want to stop and then write it down. And that's not, that's breaking from the meditation. So they tell you, you know, if it's really that great of an organic idea, then it will come to you again later. And if it's not, then you just... Yeah, like, I really wish I could meditate. And I know it's ignorant to say I can't, but, like, it's very difficult for me to, like, Mm -hmm. silence my mind. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a practice that, like, is hard. Like, I feel like 
for me to really get into it, I'd have to maybe do like sensory deprivation first, like in like a hyperbolic chamber. Yeah. Like I, f because I feel like I. But I don't think you need to sil silence your mind. You need like it's really just having an awareness of what your mind is doing. It's distracting. Everything is distracting yeah. to me. Like all throughout like high school, I never studied a day in my life. Yeah. Like I was always good at retaining information quickly, regurgitating it, and then fucking forgetting about yeah. it. Yeah. But like, for me to sit there, like I could sit there, and I'll hear like the floorboard creak. I'll hear, like, uh, the wind whistle through, like, the window or something like that. I'll, um, hear my dog's nails on the fucking linoleum, yeah. you know, two floors mm -hmm. below me. Like, yeah. Um, so I feel like my senses do really distract me from everything, even when I'm trying to, like, close my eyes and just, like, You're concentrate. You're very sensitive. Yeah, even, like, it's really fucking hard to sleep sometimes because, like, I can't sleep in silence. Like, I, I, um, my bedroom window's always been on the main road, so I've always been used to cars passing by. I've always had a fan... <clears throat> stuff like that so like literally when i have to like really try to fall asleep and like force myself to fall asleep i try to relax every single muscle in my body and um i think of the color black and like i think of like the darkest color like i could think of and just like get lost in like that then i eventually just fall asleep that's like the closest thing to meditation that, i was do. gonna say that is pretty meditative yeah and like um another thing that i also do before i fall asleep like my one friend he uh he did a lot of, like, mission trips and stuff like that. And uh, he said, like, he had trouble sleeping when he was in, like, Uganda and stuff like that. And uh, he, he was just, like, the biggest thing I learned about meditation was, like, imagine, like, a big ball of honey. Like, the nicest, like, um, amber color you can imagine just on your belly button. And, uh, like, when you're trying to fall asleep, just, like, envision that. And, like, you can almost feel it at, like, one point. Like, you just have, like, a big ball, like, sitting there. And... This is so wild because I, <laughs> in therapy, like, I've been reprocessing a lot of the trauma that I had been through like one of the things that helps me is that when I am going through like these like scary thoughts and feelings and I have like a pink ball that I like just like in my mind have always kept with me and then it is like near my belly and then like, I've been just reading about, like, masculine and feminine energies recently because I'm trying to get a grip on this whole, what you said about, you know, the energy you put out is yeah. the energy you attract. And I really do believe that. And they talk about how, you know, masculinity and femininity, like, there's one's a red ball, one's a blue ball, and how they kind of, like, have to orbit each other. So I'm like, what are all these images of, like, <laughs> orbs and, like, what's happening? But... No. But I like that. Like, I do find that to be comforting. Yeah. Yeah. I like how open you are with the fact that you, you said you were going to therapy and stuff like yeah. that. Because I think that's, like, something more people should embrace. Mm -hmm. Because, like, I feel like some people have a really shitty experience with, like, one therapist. Right. I've had a therapist fall asleep on me. That's awful. <laughs> I know. It's so fucking awful. It's, like, so funny, but it's not. But that was, like, years ago, you know, and obviously I got a new therapist, and, you know, so I, I mean, I agree, and it could be discouraging to have Yeah, because it's therapist. just, like, you know, did I get a good one? Like, yeah. I wish they had to rate my therapist, like, they have, like, rate my professor and shit mm -hmm. like that. Like, I wish you could get reviews on, like, a certain, I'm sure they have, like, stupid shit like that, yeah. but, like. I'm not sure, but, yeah. I was having really bad anxiety, like, right after a breakup of, like, six and a half years, like, being on and off with the same girl. And, uh, I just couldn't relax. Like, I was just so anxious and everything. Like, 
um, called the family doctor out, was just like, yo, I need something to, like, calm me the fuck down, like, I can't live like this, like, I can't be at work, like, wanting to throw up because of my anxiety, like, mm-hmm. so they gave me, um, I forget exactly what they gave me, but, um, when I was getting blood work, like, the one thing that, like, always stuck in my head was, like, I was having chest pains from, like, how bad my anxiety was, and as soon as they put, like, that little capsule in your arm to, like, take the blood out, it filled up, like, instantly, like, yeah. and they were just like, yo, that's not... So, when I realized, like, I was just gonna ruin my fucking heart with my anxiety, um, I was just like, alright, time to, like, let the pills do what they want to do. Not that I'm, like, anti-pill or anything, mm-hmm. but, like, I don't know, I'm a very headstrong individual, so, like, I'll really try to figure something out on my own before I rely on something else to help me. Yeah. So it was really swallowing my pride to swallow those pills. I took them. They made me feel stupid. Like, I lacked emotion. I lacked a depth almost entirely. I was on autopilot. I was just there. Thank God, like, after, like, two, three weeks of, like, it, like, actually kicking in and, like, um, being in my system... I was conscious enough to be like, hey, I'm not, I don't like that. I just wake up, go to work, come home, do nothing, and go to sleep, and just do it all again. Like, I'm not outgoing. I'm not myself. So instantly fucking took those to, like, the CVS, like, recycler thing, and threw all of them fucking out. I looked up, like, my insurance policy and stuff like that, and uh, figured out what therapists in the area would cover, I'm fortunate enough, I had like I have Geisinger insurance through my mom. She works for the hospital. They have a hotline you can call, and they'll uh, they'll find you a therapist within like a certain mile radius within a day for you, and they'll find try to find you an appointment within that week. Because I stopped the meds, and I was just like, you know what, fuck it. Like I really want to find someone to talk to, and I found this amazing woman in uh, Allentown, who uh, wasn't abrasive, wasn't like uh, trying to pry anything that I didn't want to talk out essentially found out I was my own therapist. I essentially paid this woman for four or five months to just listen to me Mm -hmm. and give me a reason to get out of the house. Because the biggest thing therapy taught me was to gain a third-person perspective on your life, like to have an outside looking in. And that's literally been my saving grace. Because when I'm, like, hot and heavy in, like, the moment, like, I'll try to remove myself from the situation, like... I feel like that's where empathy really comes into play, too, being able to do that. Yeah. But I'll completely remove myself from a situation, reevaluate everything, and, like, pick myself apart in a constructive manner. Like, I, I'm done putting myself down. Like, uh, self-talk's a whole nother fucking thing, but Definitely. it's valuable. It was funny. Like, I remember after, like, two months, she was just like, you don't need to be here. I'm just like, yeah, I know, but I feel like if I stop, I'm going to fall into a rut. So, like, until I find another rut that's healthier than this <laughs> rut, you know, I was just doing it every Saturday afternoon, and it was, like, uh, my me day. So, I would get up. It would force me to get up because I want to fucking pay that cancellation fee. Right. And, like, once in a while, I'd make up a bullshit lie and uh, just to get out of it. But then I'd be like, this isn't really any kind of help for me. So, it gave me a reason to get up out of bed. You know, tried maybe like 20 minutes away from my house, so it was like out of my comfort zone. Like, I couldn't just bounce right back out to home. So, like, on my way home, you know, it'd be around lunchtime, I'd be hungry, so I'd, you know, stop at a Chipotle, Panera, and uh, sit and have, like, lunch by myself. And a lot of people, I feel like, don't do that. Yeah. And it, because they think it's weird to be in a social setting, like, to not be, like, glued to your fucking phone <laughs> while you're eating, and it's just like, 
Sometimes I just want to sit down, maybe sit outside and enjoy like a salad. Um, once in a while, like you can see someone that wants someone to talk to but doesn't want to ask for it. Like I'll sit down with them and just you know end up be like, oh, you want to eat together? Like uh, chit chat with you while I'm here, and you know when I go, I go. Yeah. And uh, you make a new friend. Like uh, I do that all the time, like in the airport whenever I fly. Um, so it's just like. It would get me out of the house. I'd end up meeting someone new either at, like, lunch or, like, walking around at the mall, you know, yeah. running to an old friend or something. Then I'd go home and uh, probably just play video games. Yeah, I'd go home and fall right back into the same rut, but at least, like, that would got, get me out of the house for the day to actually do something. Right. And uh, it, was, it was really rewarding. And then at one point, like, I was just, like, uh, I was tired of paying her. Not that it was, like, that much, but I was just like, you know what, like, I'd if you can help someone else in this time slot, I'd rather you help someone else because, yeah. like, I've been... It was literally me every week. I'd have all the bullshit that happened during the week. I'd explain it to her and how I already figured everything out. Right. So, um... But, I, I like, I think it, it is helpful to talk about things, you know, because a lot of times we go into therapy and we have never even talked about our problems. Yeah. So, like, you being able to maybe work it out out loud was probably, was helpful. But then you did that, and then you were like, oh. Again, I was just like, you know, like, I don't really need anybody else for right. this. Also, like, the writing was more therapeutic than anything. Yeah, yeah, well, I, I do want to talk to you about that. That's, like, a good way to get into our questions, because I was going to ask you what role does writing, like, in healing you and just your life, what uh, role does writing play in that? I didn't pick writing. Writing kind of picked me. <laughs> I feel that. There's days where it completely consumes my mind. Like, I'll be at work, and I'll be trying to remain diligent, like, doing what I want to do, but, it like, writing will literally take over me. And um, as soon as I get home, like, there's just times where, like, I shut the whole world out. Like, I won't even eat dinner some nights, you know, and uh, I know it pisses my mother off, but <laughs> I need to write when I need to write. It stinks sometimes, like, yeah. because it really does, like, consume me. Like, I'll lock myself, like, when I first really started writing, I would take a half tab of acid, and I would write for maybe, like, 12 hours straight. <laughs> That's one way to get it done. And, like, it would literally, because, like, I would think so in-depth when I was, yeah. you know, tripping off that little bit of acid. It would literally just spew out of me, like, without even trying. Because, like, a lot of the pieces that I write up don't take me that long. Like, a lot of my best pieces and, like, a lot of my favorite writings, like, have taken me no more than maybe, like, five minutes to write up. For me, uh, it feels like it just... When you say, like, writing chose me, I feel that a lot. And I've spoken with other people who say the same things. And I have to take this opportunity to, like, actually plug the person who does the music in the beginning and the end, Joe. Because he's a friend and he's a writer and we both have talked about that. And it's kind of like what you choose to do with it. You know, and sometimes it is very much like I don't even realize these, like, poems are coming to me. And it happens fast. Like, I write it within two minutes, and then people will look at it and be like, how long did this take you? I'm like, it took me two minutes. And they're just like, what the fuck? Yeah. yeah. And I don't, I mean, and I, I appreciate their amazement, but for me, it's not that amazing because yeah. it just happens. Yeah. yeah. And I feel that on a whole other level. <laughs> yeah. Which is cool. Mm hmm But, um, yeah, it just flows. And, like, I write, I, there's just, you ever heard of Charles Bukowski? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love That's, it. like, my... I woke up one morning and, like... I love my fucking friends, like, because... Mm -hmm. 
I know if they find like a good YouTube video, they send it to me. Or if they find a really meaningful song, they send it to me. And I know they send it to me for a reason. And I never question it. I always take the time to look at it, whether it's a meme, whether it's something like meaningful. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of my best friends, uh, Will Steez a lot. He's a rapper in the Valley. Sent me a like seven minute video on like Charles Bukowski and like how he didn't try to be a writer. Like he just wrote to write. Yeah. I wrote like this one little piece and like it's called Writing to Live. And it's, the whole gist of it, it's like fucking like six lines. But, like the whole gist of it is like, as long as I'm making it, I'll be happy. Like, I don't need to make money off of my writing. Like, right. I, even though that'd be fucking dope. <laughs> but, know. like, I don't need to make money off my writing to, like, appreciate, like, and be happy. Like, find happiness through it. Like, that's the whole reason I started sharing it and performing it. Like, I feel like I have a gift of writing. My purpose is to give it away. So, like, that's like, I'm pretty sure that's, like, an old fucking, um quote or some shit that you know you could look up online i don't know if it's like an like old what, what you just said yeah i think it was like something like i'm pretty sure i just paraphrased well, either way i mean person. i think it's a truth yeah because like i don't know like people always ask me like has have you ever performed any of your writing yeah. live yeah did it scare Spoken the piss out word. of you oh yeah i used to do it all the time and there was it i actually said that uh there was a time where i kind of got over the fear of it and it was because one time I went on stage and I did not prepare enough. Or I don't even know if it was that. I think something broke my attention in the room. And I was in the dead middle of, like, this dramatic, like, poem. And I just lost it. But I couldn't get it back. Like, And then I was on stage for an uncomfortable amount of time before I was just like, yeah, I'm sorry, guys. I can't, I can't do this. I can't finish. And I got off stage. And it was the worst, but also the best, because after that, I had no fear. Because I'm like, the worst that's going to happen is that... It just happened, yeah, and I just... Yeah, <laughs> and now I got to yeah. and I lived, and everybody's like, nobody remembers, so it's fine. I don't know, like, my biggest thing is, like, when you're speaking, like, performing, like, you're writing or anything for anybody, they're going to do what they want with it. They're going to listen whether they want to or not. Like, they're going to listen, hear you out. What they do with it... That's on them. You did what you had to do. You shared it. Mm -hmm. You can give people tools, but you can't make them utilize them. So right. like that's just how I feel. Like I I I got I started performing at like open mic nights in Bethlehem and stuff like that. Just like just to get myself out of the house. I'll never forget it. Like the one time I was doing a poem and like I was at a bar and the one dude was like, "Yo, you fucking suck." Really? And I I like mid set like I started yeah. live and I was like, "Yo, shout out to you, man. I appreciate it." And, like, afterwards, like, I talked to him. And, like, that's happened, like, once or twice at, like, an open bar thing. Well, it's gonna, because people don't appreciate poetry. Sometimes. That, and, like, there, no one's going to a fucking bar to hear poetry. <laughs> that's true. So, like, though. not, even, like, not even I, like, when I hear, like, oh, but Mike and I poetry at a bar, I'm just like, all right, time to go across the street. Right, And, like, right. it sucks because, like, I want to be there, but, like, there's, I there's know. like, a time and a place that you want to appreciate that shit. I think that's that why shit. I have stopped a little bit because it is hard to find that and there are some open mics that i will do it for but yeah you have to find that yeah but like that niche the feedback you get there's genuine though true because they're not you know when i when i was doing like curated events and stuff like that where i was on like an actual set list like with my buddies or like my buddy put the show together yeah it's weird how everyone wants to talk to you after you have a mic in the hand it, it really is, and I'm not trying to sound, like, cocky or anything, but it's no. just, like, everyone's just like, yo, you did really good, you did really good, you did really good, and it's just, like, cool, like, thank there, you. <laughs> well, yes, one time I was in a bar, and this guy came up to me, and he's like, 
I have to tell you that I was fully expecting to make fun of you. Not make fun of you. Like, I don't know how he said it, but he was like, and by the end, he's like, that was the first time I felt an emotion in 13 years, I think. And he's that's like, fucking that beautiful. Like, so that's a, such a genuine response. Yeah. Like, he didn't just say that because, like, there's a bunch of other people fucking with what you're saying. And, like, that's, that's like, the coolest thing about, like, the whole Umpa Mike scene. Like, people aren't looking for it. So when you do really, you know, tug their fucking strings, like, it's going to be a pure response. Oh, yeah. So, wait, do you know, like, any short poems that you'd want to maybe recite right now? <laughs> Does it have to be serious? No, it could be whatever you want. This is my favorite piece, and it's probably, like, the second piece I ever wrote, and it's called The Boner Poem. It's a fan favorite whenever I perform it. Because when I started performing, I'd try to put more of a comical set together. Because uh, when everyone hears, uh, oh, here comes a poet, it's going to be like, mm-hmm. like sad shit. So like the first thing I do, I learned, um, you have to, I like the art of crowd control. So like I've really been trying to like learn a lot of that. So as soon as I get the mic, I'm like, yo, what up, fuckers? You call someone a fucker, you got a split second of their attention to catch them. So, like, sometimes I'd start out on a serious note and then end on, like, a really funny note. So, like, this is my go-to. Like, every set I perform until I get absolutely sick of it, I will probably have it. And it's called the Boner Poem. The whole purpose of it was, like, growing up in, like, middle school, high school. Like, I was always scared when I'd get sexually active. A girl would laugh at my penis. Yeah. (laughs) So, like, I put myself in that position. Like, what if this really happened? Like, how would I, you know, act? So it goes, she laughed at my boner and I didn't even know her. I tried to explain to her I'm a grower, but bitches these days just want showers. I wasn't even that mad because the pussy wasn't half bad, although we were liquored up off that vlad. At least I thought we left mutually glad. After that, though, she hit me with a hard pass. It's all right, though. I still jammed my thumb in her ass. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, like, that's just, like, some stupid shit I wrote, like, on a fucking whim. And, like, people fucking loved it. Yeah. And, like, I remember, like, the first time I ever did it at, like, an open mic. You're definitely going to get a reaction. Hell, yeah. And I, you know, uh, at that point, like, no one's really wanting to hear that. <laughs> So, like, I'd rather ask for forgiveness than permission to fucking say that. Because how do you really explain (laughs) that with, like, out making it sound shitty? So, like, I remember, like, the first time, like, my buddy, um, Peanut, he was actually at the punk rock flea market with me that day. He put me on a show. Only reason I said yes to performing at the show was it was on my sister's birthday. Had a beautiful piece I was going to do a tribute, make her super fucking embarrassed because she hates being the uh, center of attention. And then the whole show ended up getting pushed back and she couldn't make it. So, like, the month before that show, like, I was going out, like, two or three times a week just to practice, like, performing because I was scared fucking shitless. Like, there's actually going to be people I know in these buildings and uh, I want to entertain them. I want to have something to offer them, not just, like, a... A five-minute sit-around. Right. A poet to, like, know when you're on stage and you're asking people for your, their attention, so you want to make it worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't want to waste your fucking time. Right, yeah. Um, I want to invoke some thort- sort of thought. And, like, yeah, I, I perform maybe, like, a dozen times, if that. Yeah. I'm taking the, what the experiences from that and really going to try to hone the craft of, like, performing... Do people ever criticize you for that poem if they don't understand, um, like, what you're there's doing? Some, there's some, like, older people that didn't appreciate it, and it's the it's the age. Even, like, the HR guy at work says I, I, I say a lot of profanity and stuff like that, but it's just, like, it's me. Yeah, I'm going to be professional when it's time to be professional. Right. But um, I can't restrict who I am as an individual. Like, it's going to only 
affect me in the long run. If I want to fucking read a poem about boners and, uh, I, 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 went, I wanted to tell you, like, the first time I ever did it, like, uh, the manager at the bar I was at, I went up, I did, like, two or three serious poems. I was just like, all right, I'm about to wrap it up because, like, I would just, as I started doing it, I was just like, yeah, I'm going to read you this guy, you know, a poem called The Boner Poem. I seen the freaking bar manager's eyes pop out of his head. By the end of it, like, everyone was coming up to me and being like, yo, that was fucking awesome. Like, um, there's a bunch of, like, uh, <laughs> horny old ladies that are just like, yo, that was really cool. And I was just like, <laughs> I was just like, oh, shit. And they were just like, yeah, like, it's not often you get to hear about that shit, like, That's you know, awesome. over a mic. And Really? <clears throat> Yeah, and I just went outside to, like, smoke a cigarette. The manager walked out. He was like, yo, what the fuck was that? And I was just, like, I was getting ready to get a earful, but I was just like, fuck it. And he was just like, that was fucking awesome. So, like, after that, like, that just became, like, a main staple. Like, yeah. Cause That's awesome. I got nothing but, like, positive feedback. Also, I feel like you, uh, you really know how to put yourself in, like, other people's shoes. And, like, you think about the energy of the room and how, like, the next person, what you're going to want, like, people to feel like, what, like... Well, yeah, and it's just, like, I don't know, um, there's, like, songs that... You ever have, like, a song come on and you're just, like, I swear I would crash my car to this, like, from, like, jamming the fuck out? Yeah. So, like, I like how music can evoke emotions, so, like, I like trying to make my writing evoke some sort of emotion, whether it's comical or serious or, you know, anything in between that. So I, I feel like having that, sounds fucking psychotic, but that little bit of control over someone is fucking cool that you can do that through mm -hmm. words. My biggest thing with writing, like poetry, is I don't read at all. Like, I couldn't tell you the last time I read a full book. Probably like elementary school. Um, read like tidbits of shit, like, you know, Lord of the Flies and that stupid ass crap. But like my biggest thing is I never fucking read. So how the fuck is me as a writer supposed to gear something to a reading audience if I don't even fucking read? So, like, I'm thinking, like, there's going to be a significant amount of people that are could be part of my audience but are just like me. So that was a real game changer, and that's one of the main reasons, like, I haven't really put out a book yet. Also because I'm too lazy to go through, like, the trademark. So have you started reading more? I try to. Like, I've been reading a, this book called on, like, on Fuck Yourself. Yeah. And, like, the it talks a lot about, like, just how you talk to yourself throughout the day and how it matters and just, like, simple, like... I know that book, though, yeah. It's a fucking awesome book. Yeah. The people that love me are going to love me no matter what. Mm -hmm. And if you don't love me or don't appreciate me because of my writing, then fuck you. It's as simple as that. Like, I have, like, some of my closest friends that don't support, like, my writing at all. And it's just like, yo, teach their own. Like, I don't hold a grudge against them. I know it's right. not their scene, but they're not actively out bashing it. I've always been in touch with, like, my heart. Like, I don't I don't know if that's the correct way to explain it, but, like, I've always been, like, following my heart and, like, what feels right I'm gonna do. Yeah, you're so, intuitive. So, like, when it came to, like, posting poetry, like, yeah, I was fucking scared because, you know, um, there's this, like, weird fucking thing going on in the world where men have to fucking really net let their nuts swing and really assert dominance. Oh, yeah, that's a thing. So it's just, like... The ones that are trying to assert dominance are the ones that are more, you know, insecure and stuff like that. I see that. So, like, I've never felt the need to assert dominance or, like, you know, make myself alpha, per se. I've just always been comfortable doing what I want to do. But we need people like that. Don't get me wrong. If I need to fucking grab the bull by the horns, I will. Um, toxic masculinity is fucking 
a real big issue. Yeah. Like, I, I hate the fact that, like, there's some grown men that think it's a bad thing to cry. It's foolish to limit yourself. Like, you were born as a human. You could have been a fucking ant. You could have been a monkey, like, something close to a human, but can't really understand emotion. Like, you have all these fucking emotions. Like, you were lucky enough to experience them. Like, you might as well experience a little bit of everything. I'm a firm believer when you need to cry, you better fucking cry. Because you're only going to hurt yourself or someone else along the way if you fucking repress it. I'm a firm believer you need to talk when it's time to talk. Like, like I said, like, the more you fucking stop yourself from, you know, speaking what you want to speak, the less of yourself you are. Listen to yourself. Like, there's a reason your brain's thinking, like things that it's thinking like there's a reason like your gut's telling you something like to maybe go out on a limb with a certain person and maybe do something you wouldn't really normally do but it might be fun that's like a whole nother thing though like i feel like i used to do things with other people and i'd only enjoy it because they were enjoying it right so like when i really started doing things alone and meeting people as i was doing stuff that's when i made like some of my closest friends and that's when I actually found a group of fucking people to actually go out and do cool shit with. Absolutely. So. Can I ask you a question? Absolutely. <laughs> because I have had several men talk to me about this. And they're like, you gotta get somebody on that'll talk to you about this. So if you don't want to talk about it, it's cool. But men are having issues with porn. For why? So I have talked to a few different people who seem to think it's like affecting their relationships, affecting the way that men are raised, leading to toxic masculinity, and just really like, I don't know, like honestly nobody can, they don't, I, I hate to say they, but like I'm not a guy. No. But they'll say like they're like, they don't feel comfortable talking about it, but like it's an issue. And That's so they're like, get somebody. Me. Oh my God. So I would love to touch like, base on that. So like, porn in general is a cool thing because I wouldn't know how to eat pussy if it wasn't for porn. <laughs> so like, shout out to Pornhub. But um, as far as like porn creating to toxic masculinity, it's what the individual does with it. Most of the time, whether it's male or female, if since we're you know talking about male, there's a fucking reason he's watching porn. Right. He's either trying to learn something or he's beating his dick, and uh, that's completely fucking normal. So it's funny that people are being so weird about. Well, they like so one of the issues they're just like psychologically. Then when we're with females, we can't get. I don't know. It it um. It does set an unrealistic standard. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, I thought every pussy was hairless for a yeah. little bit, and then I learned, you know, they grow hair down there, and I'm just like, okay, <laughs> cool. And then, um... So you grew up, like, watching it before? Like, in, like middle yeah. school, like, yeah. I watched porn and did, yeah. like, you know, that whole horny little fucking <laughs> adolescent scene. Yeah. It didn't make me, like, overly aggressive, like, uh, sexually. Yeah. Um, I can have a platonic relationship with a woman, and I fucking hate that most males can't. I don't over-sexualize anything. Like, there's, like, some things, like, I, you know, that absolutely turn me off about right. porn, and there's some things that absolutely turn me on. I think porn in itself is an art, and, like, there's some mm. fucking interesting, like, uh, pornos. Yeah. And, uh, the fact that someone really is taking the time, like, I don't know, uh, my one coworker was telling me about, uh, you ever heard of the fucking, uh, anime Sailor Moon? 
Yeah. They've made a fucking porn spoof uh, called I um, I, I, Why have I heard Because of, of like that? Sailor Poon or yeah, something like I've that. Yeah, I definitely heard And of that. to me, that's fucking hilarious that yeah. there's some sick bastard. And I say that like jokingly, like right. not that he was fucked up in the head for thinking yeah. that. But there's some motherfucker that put some amount of time into like really make this happen. And it's just like, kudos to you, man. Like, sure. hope you help some fucking teenager out. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but it's just like. Yeah, it's wild. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I was actually surprised that people were bringing this up to me. Yeah. Because I didn't really see it as that. But then I'm like, well, maybe it is an issue. Like, I don't know. I'm not a man. I don't, I mean, like... I just... The naked human body in itself is uh, beautiful. Yeah. And it's natural. Mm-hmm. Whether you like the way a certain individual looks naked is on you. So, like, I feel like a lot of the porn... I could see, like, if... Uh, a girl catches her boyfriend watching porn with like a super like picture perfect looking woman like big yeah. breasts. I could see how that would affect her um, like self image maybe. Yeah, but yeah. it's just like um, I don't think it should. Like I think people just need to be comfortable in their own skin and like work with what you got. And like if you want a tighter butt, fucking do some squats. If you want <laughs> a tighter tummy, go to the gym. Like watch what you eat. Like yeah. Um, don't just sit there and fucking wish for it. Like right. work for what you want. It goes to like coming back to yourself but like i can see how that would affect relationships yeah i've heard females thinking that watching porn is cheating that's a crock of fucking shit i know your (laughs) ass would rather have me looking at a naked woman i would never have a fucking chance with than go out and get nudes from another girl from the area or you know shit like that like that's cheating yeah like watching fucking like you know, fucking porn star. Like, yeah. when the fuck am I gonna see this bitch? And when am I gonna ever have a chance to spit some game? And when would she ever fucking entertain it? Smile. So it's just like, be realistic. Right. Like, if I want to beat my dick to some bitch <laughs> on the internet, maybe it's to last a little bit longer with you in bed when you come home. <laughs> oh like, so like, you know what I mean? So it's just like, <gasps> masturbation isn't always a selfish thing. Yeah, I. I, I <laughs> tell you, I don't know. I have never like. I have not had this as an issue in my life. I So I'll say that. Like, I've not had a, one relationship where I felt like this was an issue. And so for me, like, it being brought up, I'm a little bit like, oh, shit, maybe it's it was an issue, you know? But I don't know. I, I think it is, um, it, yeah. I, mean, I, don't I don't know. Like, my thing is, like, testosterone is one hell of a fucking hormone. Yeah. So, like, I can see why, uh... Like, high school kids are extremely fucking over-sexualizing things. But I feel like it'd be better for them to go home and beat the shit out of their dick a couple times than um, aggressively Uh, or try to really pursue... Yeah, or something like that. And, like, I don't think fucking porn makes rapists or something like that. I feel like a sick fuck is gonna do what a sick fuck is gonna do at the end of the day. That's like saying, like, uh, weed made those kids go rob the store. Odds are the kids are going to fucking rob the store. They smoked some pot to calm themselves down before they did it. <laughs> right. It's not like they smoked the joint and was like, yeah. yo, I'm going to rob this fucking store. <laughs> I could see how it could steer some people down the wrong path watching porn too much at a young age. I kind of wish I didn't get into it as early yeah. as I did because it's, it does really give you an unrealistic standard. Like, not every girl moves the same way. Yeah, so like shit like that. Like, there's yeah. you have to like really cater to the... There but it's also like I, and I said this to one of my male friends is just it's almost like the Disney thing with females it's like you are raised from a very young age of watching like 
you know, some magical prince come and make all of your problems better. I like that you said that. Because <laughs> that's real, a crack of shit. It is a crack of shit. And I think that's why, like, well, you, you're saying it was unrealistic. Now, we but, learned it's unrealistic, though, because then in our relationships, we realize it's fucking not like that. Yeah, but, you like, the, the way that you compared that really, like, made me think, like, um... Yeah, like, not every woman's gonna want their hair pulled. Like, not every woman's yeah. gonna want to be choked. Not right. every woman's gonna want to have their ass smacked aggressively. Right. Not every woman's gonna, you know, suck your dick whenever you want her to suck your right. dick. So, like, I feel like that comes down to how you're raised. I was thinking this, like, earlier in the conversation. I think that's it what is. it really, like, um... It I is. can see how it's having a toxic, like, male figure in your life yeah. that doesn't necessarily respect women... And stuff like that. Because I had one of those. I had a fucking ignorant ass uncle. Racist as fuck. Every, uh, every woman was a bitch. So it was just like... I seen that and I was just like... I seen the response he was getting to that. like, And he was just getting like slapped or fucking like bitched out all the time. I was just like, alright. That's definitely not how you do it. Yeah, it definitely comes down to how you're raised. Like if you have... If you see your father fucking... Um, aggressively pursuing your mother or like your stepmom or like some shit along those lines like oh this like it's normalizing shitty behavior Mm -hmm. essentially like seeing it or like hearing of it and yeah I definitely think it's the way you're raised yeah I don't know I never wanted to put a woman in a position that ever made her feel uncomfortable right because like at the end of the day like if I wanted to have some sort of sexual relations with you like I want to make sure you want it I want to make sure it's, like, the way I want it. Like, I'm not, not, not the way I want it, but, like, it's on our terms. Like, I don't want we it to be... We both are mutually happy, and yeah. it's reciprocation. It's yeah, so it's just, like, I never was just, like, um, if she didn't want to suck my dick, I didn't, you know, I was just like, all right, whatever, don't do it. Mm-hmm. If uh, she don't have sex, all right, cool, we're not having sex. And um, it's really funny, there's times, like, I've had to fucking draw the line because, like, I just wanted to fucking hang out, and I was being aggressively pursued by a female. Yeah, I've heard that. Because it happens too. both ways. Oh, it definitely does. And um, it absolutely happens both ways. Yeah, and I know that's gonna have a funny response to it, but it's just like no, at the end of the day, like yeah, no, and I think it's I, I've I've actually the things that I've heard about. I'm sorry, do I? No, you're fine. Like I just the things that I've heard at the end of the day with males and women pursuing them and doing like this, yeah, just wild, wild shit that if a male did that to you, like... Crucified by the fucking media. Oh, my lord. Boom. Yeah, and so, and it's bad. Like, I, I, one person told me that, like, a woman would just wanted him and would just take off her shirt, like, in uncomfortable times. Like, <laughs> like what? That's yeah, the equi- and I'm sorry, that's the equivalent of a guy pulling out his dick whenever he yeah, wants it. and like, it's just like... Holy shit. What it really comes down to is, like... I don't fucking appreciate it. Like when I'm aggressively pursued, like right. Um, it's I remember not fun. one time in particular, like it was so fucking funny. I was working out with my ex girlfriend at the gym, and uh, I'm on a fucking elliptical. And out the corner of my eye, I see like a woman looking at me, like hardcore, like fucking grilling me. So I'm just like kind of looking at my you know girlfriend at the time. I'm just like, you fucking see this? Like, and she's just jamming out, you know, fucking doing her thing, and. uh Literally, like, I fucking catch her, like, fucking biting her lip, like, out of the corner of my eye. And I was just like, damn, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, I was literally, I was right in between. Because then what do you do? Because then Yeah, and it was just so fucking weird. So, like, I literally was just like, all right, I'm done. I got off the elliptical. 
and started walking through the gym, like watched her watch me the whole fucking way. As I'm trying to text my fucking girlfriend at the time, she runs up behind me. She's like, yo, did you fucking see that? I was like, fuck yeah, I was trying to get your fucking attention. Yeah. And like, that's the first time, like, it's going to sound hilarious. Like, I felt like fucking meat on a market fucking I table. I know, now, and, yeah, for the people. The and back. it's just like, I'm not just saying it to fucking make women fucking think, like, all men understand because they fucking don't. No. But it's just like, I didn't fucking appreciate that. Yeah, like, if I wanted to pursue you in a sense, like, uh, I'd make eye contact and stuff like that. But, like, if it you see me, like, fucking, yeah. yeah. So it's just like, um, it's just being able to read each other right. and, like, being able to understand body language. And I feel like that gets really misconstrued nowadays yeah. because everyone's used to talking over social media. I feel like that's why, like, a lot of this shit's becoming more prominent, like, the sexual assault and stuff like that. Not because of social media, but, like, I feel like, um... Our communication's changing. Yeah, like, I feel like a lot of, like, the younger kids growing up now are, like, for the lack of a better term, socially awkward. Yeah. If you want to eat, you need to speak. Right. So, like, at the end of the day, like, you're gonna have to fucking talk for yourself. Like, when your parents are dead... <laughs> yeah. Like, who the fuck is gonna speak for you? Right. Like, um, or like, I mean, you kind of look at like global warming and shit. Like yeah. what happens when electricity is like, Puerto Rico ha does not have electricity. Yeah. So. They just got fucked on by an earthquake Again, and like, that's so like, awful because like they just keep getting romped on. Like yeah. they barely had enough I time. I don't even think they fully recovered from They've Maria. They got like three in this week, I think. Yeah. But like even before all that, I they know, got romped by that I hurricane. Know, so it's just like, I know it's so sad. Hell yeah, it is. I wouldn't so, wish like, that on no, anybody. That's not, there's not even social media. No. So yeah, it is. It's complicated. I think we're all starting to wake up to that. Because I, I hear more and more people talking about it. Like, what is this doing to us? Like, well, like, the, is... also, like, I feel like a lot of, um, like, uh, higher up, like, uh, famous people are starting to utilize it yeah. less as well. Yeah. But, like, there's some uh, creative outlets where it's a lucrative tool for your success. Right. So, like, As an artist, I use it all the time. But I try to just make sure that I'm using it in a healthy way. I feel like it'd be a really fun challenge to do it how they did back then. Like, it would, like, you to really find success without social media, that's pure success. I feel like it's way fucking harder. Mm -hmm. Because you almost have to utilize your immediate surrounding. I feel like if I invested a lot of time and money into myself, I feel like I, it could totally be done. Because I feel like if you take the initiative to invest in yourself and you really fuck it up, you know how to really, not that I have, but I feel like you would know how to make sure you don't let future investors down. Yeah. Because if you don't go on a limb to like invest in yourself, why would anyone else feel fucking comfortable investing right. in you? Well, that's like the same as like self-love. It's like, why would you expect anyone else to love you if you don't even love yourself? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it goes right along with that. But it's just like. If I fuck up in my own investments, like, and I get pissed off, like, with my money, I don't want to do that to someone else. So it's just, like, I'd rather fucking fuck it myself over, like, instead of, you know, having people be, buy a book and just be like, wow, this is fucking awful. Definitely not traditional, but... Right. Oh, thank you for sharing all of that. Do you have a question? Hell yeah. <laughs> the One of the questions I wrote down was, when did you know it was all right to talk about mental health? Like, when did you feel comfortable, like, speaking about it? That's, like, that's tough because I think that I always did. 
when like I think of my life mission, it's always like I always kind of knew that this was going to be something that I was going to tackle. And I mean, I similarly like when people are teachers and they're like, I just always knew I wanted to teach. And I never really knew exactly how I wanted to, you know, tackle this issue, but I think I just saw it in um in my family and I saw it in myself at a very young age and I realized that I have this type of ability to speak about it and not be afraid to do that, which a lot of people don't seem to do. Mm -hmm. um, so honestly, I really don't have a great answer for you. I think it was just something that like, it's kind of like with you and poetry. Like it's like yeah. some people write poems and they're afraid to share them. But I, I always do think one of my rules in life has always been if I'm thinking about sharing a message or talking about something that people aren't comfortable talking about, I try to think, like, is the message bigger than my ego? And so is it more... Awesome. Not even bigger. I shouldn't even say that. Is it more important than my ego? Yeah, more impactful. Yeah, and most times it is if I share it and then sometimes it's not and you're like and then I'm like okay well then I'm not gonna share that shit you know so yeah yeah I try to do that um and I try to just keep the bigger uh, I've always been like a big picture thinker so I'm always kind of like this is something that is absolutely affecting us all on a very personal level so some if I want people to start talking about it then I have to start talking about it yeah but I do go back and forth and there are times where I'm like why, why did I just share yeah my no whole one cares life? to hear this yeah like, why did I just share my whole life and like normal people normal quote unquote yeah. don't like talk like this and you know, and the people are kind of like, are you just trying to get attention and what's happening? Fuck those kind of people. Yeah, like, and that's why this conversation is actually really helpful to me because I feel like it is validating and like, no, I have, you know, I have to have confidence in the message. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. And then did you have another one? Um, what is self-care to you? Self-care is something that I'm definitely um, working out right now. I because I don't think I had it for a really long time like I just didn't take care of myself and it wasn't that I didn't want to I just didn't know how I think it's like self-discipline and really realizing what's going to be beneficial for like your future self kind of like thanking your past self for doing things so one thing for me is like I'm really starting to learn about like keeping my space cleaner, like getting rid of things in my space that I don't need. And like, I'm, and you can look around and know I'm not completely there no. yet. <laughs> but <laughs> I like, get it. No, but like, that is something I'm working on. And for me, that's a form of self care because it's like, I'm like, I'm taking care of my space. Yeah. Like you recognize like, Hey, I bothers me that I'm not the most organized. Right. Yeah. yeah. So then it's like really like, okay, well, if that's how you feel, then instead of just being like, you know, on yourself about it, and you said before, like, negative self-talk, no, it's more like, what, uh, what can I do to make my feelings less make like Make my this? life easier. Yeah, and then, so it's also coming down, like, and thinking, what can I do in my immediate environment right now that's gonna solve, like, one problem that I have? It's, what it comes down to is, like, controlling what you can control. Right. Yeah, and I've, I've made the mistake of getting in, you know, like, of looking to other people to solve my problems. Yeah. And getting really off track with that. It's, it's nice to lean on people, but they shouldn't be carrying you. Right, right. And that was a lesson that it took me a long time to learn. 
which I'm glad that I did. So yeah. I think like self care is like really just learning those lessons and like figuring out like if you are in a place that's bad and it is because of your own behavior, then it's kind of like okay. How do I love myself in- unconditionally? Yeah, without throwing yourself a pity right? party. Right? Without throwing yourself a pity party. How do I make changes necessary so in the future? And, like, what did I learn? And I try to just keep that mindset <coughs> of bringing it back to, like, re- like grounding myself, I guess. That's dope. Yeah. What does it look like for you? What do you mean? Like, self-care. Self-care to me is... um a lot of stuff like self-care to me is like uh if i'm having a really shitty day at work instead of taking that shitty day home and taking it out on like my parents or something or like taking it out on someone else um it's finding a parking lot where the sun will shine on my face and i can close my eyes for like a quick minute and just feel the warmth of the sun it could be a walk at like bicentennial park down the towpath it could be coming home and pet my my puppy it could be me writing a poem like self-care to me is doing what I feel like I need to do in the moment. Like, yeah, there's sometimes you have to sacrifice, like, your own shit to, you know, live a fucking life, you know, with people in it because you can't... We're not put here to serve ourselves. But it fucking really helps when you know what you need to do for yourself when it's time to do it. Mm -hmm. It's really just a fine line of balancing, like, doing stuff for others and doing stuff for yourself. But, like, you always need to keep, like, your best interests, like, first and foremost, like, going through stuff. Not putting your problems on anybody else. It's dealing with what you need to deal with um, in a healthy way, or at least in a constructive way, even if it maybe is destructive. As long as you're not hurting yourself or others, I feel like um, just prioritizing yourself is really what self-care means to me. Following your heart. Like, that's the biggest thing, like, I've always done in my life is, like, there's a reason you get gut feelings. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's, like, directly influenced, like, with, like, your heart and stuff like that. Now your mind is a reasonable thinker. It's gonna it's gonna be like um, invoke some sort of like healthy fear or unrealistic fear, um, which is cool because that's cool to like kind of battle. Sucks sometimes. I don't know what's meant for you will happen. Yeah. I've always struggled with faith, even though I was brought up in like a Catholic household, and I'm not bashing religion in any sense because I I think it's beautiful. I just don't believe in a God like the Christian God. Like there's some sort of bigger being. Mm-hmm. Because it's foolish to think that we're, like, the highest form of power in the universe. I don't know, like, uh... Sometimes I think God is, like, the network that connects us. Yeah, and I just, like... Yeah. Like, I don't think... Like, I don't know. But sometimes I just think that there's, like, this bigger connection or, like, network or something that's working for the greater good. Yeah, and it's just, like, people feel the way they feel for certain reasons. And, like, um... In all good, there's gonna be evil. Because the evil is a reminder, you know, of what good really is. So, um, and sometimes fucking evil puts up a good facade of being good. But, um, that could be a fucking really deep conversation in itself. Yeah, yeah. But, um, biggest self-care tip is, like, recognizing growth when you see it. Mm -hmm. Um, even if you were, like, you went ten steps forward, you got knocked eight steps back, you're still a step ahead of where you began. Yeah. It's not as much growth as you thought you would have, and, like, sometimes you need to regress to progress. Mm Mm-hmm. Pain is the best teacher. So is heartbreak. I feel, I'm a firm believer everyone needs a heartbroken at least once in their life. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Well, I have one last question for you. Alright. Um, what keeps you hanging on? The love for myself. Like, love, essentially. Like, I love my family. Like, I love my sister. Like, I love all my friends in my life. Like, love. 
really makes me tick. And it's, I'm a very passionate person, so like when I see someone with zero passion, like, I genuinely believe that individual doesn't know what love truly is, because if you're not, like, I love writing, I like, I love a lot of shit in my life, so like, love has been what really keeps me hanging on, even though like, um, I don't always bank on it, because it's, you don't always get what you give all the time. Being able to provide for, like, my loved ones. Like, I always joke with people. Oh, I don't joke, but they think I'm joking. Like, I'm going to retire at 40 years old. And I'm 21 years old. <laughs> yeah. So time's fucking ticking. I have 19 fucking years. I don't care if I have to fucking retire in a third world country to wait for my pension to come back to the fucking United States. I'll find the one with the best fucking health care. But it's just, like, I love my little sister and I love my big brother. Like, I always want to make sure they're taken care of. Not, like, saying I want to put a roof over their head, but, like, if, like, um... If something comes up, you want to be able to help. Yeah, and it's just, like, I want, um, like, uh, I want to have kids eventually, like, because I feel like we need to bring another couple decent people into the world, and I think I could do that. Yeah, I think so. So, um, I think about, like, my future children, like, too, and, like, I'm 21, like, that's probably a good ways out, but, like, I also try to live my life the way, like, I would want them to know me, Mm -hmm. like... Really, like, what, uh, this, this is all over the place, but, like, the story they're going to tell when you're gone is what really keeps me going. I don't want to be remembered as an angry prick. I don't want to be remembered as, like, an asshole or a dick or a douchebag or, like, if I'm remembered for being a decent writer, that's cool. If I'm remembered for being a good father, that's fucking better. Like, it's just, uh, I know the love I have to give is way too pure for the world we live in so it's just like (laughs) i know there's a select people that absolutely deserve the love i have to offer if that makes sense it makes perfect sense that is so great (laughs) sounds sounds crazy but i am so happy that you came on the show i'm so happy to be here like trust me Oh my lord, thank you so much. No is problem. there anything else you want to add? Not really. I, I think that's a really good note to go yeah. out on. So yeah. Thank you for your insight. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. I'm well, super, everyone super check this guy here. out. I'll put the links to his stuff in. Uh... This week's recommendation is actually a specific type of therapy that has made all of the difference in my life. It's called EDMR. It is used um, to reprocess trauma. The way it works is uh, a lot of our trauma gets stuck in the back of our brain. And in order to process it out, we need to stimulate both the left and the right sides of our brains. So in... um, In that type of therapy, the therapist will usually use either clickers in both hands or you'll follow her fingers back and forth and you'll think about a a situation in your life that affects you a certain way that you handle things that you know is unhealthy. When you get that gut feeling like this is my trauma acting out, it's not me. This type of trauma is very, very effective in a short amount of time. And helping you process that. So if you have PTSD or any kind of trauma-based reactions, I really, really recommend you seeking that out. I am willing to talk to anybody at any time about that experience. As always, I hope you enjoyed the show. 
Remember to like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're on Apple iTunes, please leave a five-star review. It allows other people to find the show and the message to come across to people who may need it. The music that you hear in the beginning and the end of the episode is by Joe Burke. Joe Burke is a local musician. I, I find his music to be incredibly inspiring, so please check that out. If you'd like to make a one-time donation to the show, please reach out. I can give you direction on how that can help. Helps with equipment, traveling, uh, getting more interviews, and the time it takes to put it all together. Other than that, I think that that's a wrap for the week. I hope you enjoyed the show. Mm-hmm.